Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Inner Jr., and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. We are excited to talk to you today. You know why, Jay? Oh, I know why. You do? I do. What do you think? The schedule release. Oh, <laughs> the schedule release. We, we, are, we have so much schedule content for you. You don't <laughs> even understand. We're pulling out all the stops. <laughs> We got lots of schedule talk to do. Other things, of course, we will get to first, but lots of schedule content coming your way on today's podcast. That includes Jay's Got Stats, Run Passer Boot, Quiz Questions, Bengals Growler Bet, all the content for you in with the schedule as the top. I mean, we're playing the hits today, baby. This is Skinner playing Freebird. This is, I, I don't know why. I, I love the NFL schedule release. Of all the things on the sports calendar that I love, it's probably the most irrational, but I don't know what it is about it. I, I think it's some, the the logistics of putting it together fascinate me and trying to, to figure out where certain things will piece in as far as home opener, road opener, primetime games. I just... I just love the guessing game. I, I love seeing it when it's released. Uh, I can't wait for Wednesday. Do you love the release of the mock schedule? I do. <laughs> I, I had a I, lot of fun with the mock schedule this year. I'm very excited to unveil it. Uh, the mock schedule, to, uh, to uh, give a teaser of my lead, I, 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 as I really started thinking about it. The mock schedule is it's an it's something that nobody asked for and nobody really needs but you're somehow interested in. I said it's sort of like that that mad about you reboot on Spectrum. Like it's <laughs> it's awkward. It, you don't know why you're watching, but there you are. You're watching Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt. Like it's just it doesn't make any sense why this exists, but you just find yourself weirdly drawn to it. That, that's a great analogy. I, no, you I, don't. You don't. You don't. You never watched Mad About You, did you? Jay? I did. I loved Mad About You. Did you watch the reboot? I did not watch the reboot. See, that's just it. You know, <laughs> we don't need it. <laughs> uh, we have other things besides Mad About You to talk about, uh, and that is, uh, we have a little bit of news, I guess. Um, we're going to talk a little bit through the off-season schedule that's going on. Rookie mini camp is happening. We. You know, mandatory mini camp. Also, we're going to talk through some of the logistics of that, which are interesting and dicey and all those things this year. Um, we are going to take some questions. If you haven't read Jay's Q&A mailbag is up. Uh, you can read that. But we have some extras that we're going to trot out here uh, to talk a little bit about uh, a few things that are on your mind. So we'll get to that. And then, of course, all our schedule content coming your way. If you are not a subscriber to The Athletic, cannot recommend it more. Uh, 
Justin Williams with an absolute another absolute bomb on the UC beat talking to Jaron Cumberland. Uh, I my mouth was open the entire time during that. Q. I mean, it, it's just Jaron talking. It's it's just Jaron speaking about his experience with John Brandon and the behind the scenes of everything that went on there, and and, and that was something. <laughs> so I highly recommend going in and reading that. C. Trent's story on the Wade Miley no-hitter is an absolute must-read. It was so good. It took you so far behind the scenes and into the reality of what that meant for Wade Miley. It was one of those, man, baseball is cool moments. Uh, really loved reading that. And really, of course, all across the NFL we have so much coverage there, Premier League, NBA, you name it, everything's hopping right now. So all of that under one umbrella. Uh, go to any of anywhere on the site or, you know, maybe go to one of our stories. Jay's Mailbag, my story from last week, uh, behind the scenes of the Bengals draft path um, is all up. You can go to there, subscribe at any of those deals going on now. Um, a little bit uh, to kind of touch on the put a final bow on the draft and some of the the behind the scenes stuff i mean that was jay i when i started transcribing and thank you by the way for helping me transcribe <laughs> all of those interviews i had twelve thousand words of transcription to go through with all the interviews i did for that thing oh my goodness that's that's one of those things where you love collecting as much info as possible but yes that is it is a laborious task but i loved it um i i did the christian sarkeesian um transcript for you and i just loved listening to him and and hearing what he had to say and the, the piece itself is fantastic if you have not read it yet it really gives you like paul said the, the inside everything that led up to the draft and the direction the why they went with the players they went with and i i think it's easy to see why why they are so excited about this draft because it just it hit them perfectly and and the guys they had targeted stuck around to where they thought they would be just it's 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 a really great read looking at, at what goes into the draft prep not just draft night and making the picks yeah and there was you know I really enjoy talking to the scouts um, yeah. in general uh, people hope everybody enjoyed the the podcast with Mike Potts last week, director of college scouting. Um, it, those guys know this in and out. They know this team inside and out. They know its needs inside and out better than anybody does. Um, and that inclu- and I'll even say maybe better than the coaches because they see it through a more objective point of view sometimes than the coaches do. The coaches are in it. They have their guys they believe in and they see it very clearly uh, what their vision is for development. You know, scouts have a good ability. It's what is part of their job to stand back and assess what's working and what's not in the talent level and what that should look like and what projections really realistically look like. You know, coaches, I, I think, always feel like they're going to get more out of their guys than maybe they really should expect to. Um, so, uh, and you know, just connecting the whole team that way, they're great. I, so if you have not listened to the Pots podcast, I highly recommend going back and doing that. That's a real deep insight into into really their their off season as a whole. Um, but I think it, the takeaways that I had, and some of the more interesting things, was really how much they really feel like they did on day three. I think when when we look at day three. And the names that came off the board to them, I think they are not super familiar. We haven't been discussing them for months. And and, and it's like, okay, there's just a name and a position, right? Um, 
But to see some of the very clear objective and some of the very clear, very real upside. Now, all these guys won't pan out. In fact, a lot of them, most of them won't. Um, but the really clear objective that they that they established in doing that, I think, stood out to me. That number one being that that relentlessness trait that they found over and over again in these guys, and the recognition that that was a problem. That's what they want their identity to be, and that's what they felt like they didn't have enough of. This just. <laughs> 11 Sam Hubbards, right? <laughs> like yes. relentlessness in practice and on Sundays. And just that's what people know that they're just going to be going against those guys that give it to you every single snap. It may not always be the most high end. It may not always be the crazy traits and the the speed off the edge and, and all those, the perfect things. And that's, you know what? Some of them are. And some of them can be and have their own unique traits. But the one that they all have is that thing that is part of the identity of what they're really trying to build here. And I think that's um, I think that's telling. And I think that can be a big difference maker for them defensively, potentially. Yeah, the, these all kind of run together. I can't remember who said it, but it was either one of the coaches or it was somebody that you talked to for your story talked about watching a guy in a game where they were either way ahead or way out of it and, and seeing him still – go at it as if it was the first series of the game. And that is, that's what you need. They Clearly, they are not going to have the best roster in the division this year. But you can have the best effort. And if you, if the more of those guys, I mean, it, it's great to say you, you're going to give full effort all the time, but look, the, you're going to wear down. It's just the physical aspect. You get in the fourth quarter and you're up to 60, 70 snaps. It's gonna, you might think you're going as hard as you can, but it's not going to look the same as the first quarter. But the more of these guys you put together, the more you can give them breaks in, in, in a series off here and there. And they can still be those relentless nonstop guys in the fourth quarter when games are on the line. And you're right. If you, you can get 11 of those guys on defense it doesn't have to be the most talented defense. They they can get into that middle of the pack, and that's that's all you're asking for from this defense right now with, with the way the offense is set up is to just be average. Yep. I mean, we I think our new refrain is going to be – it really is. <laughs> it's average on the line, average on defense, elite in the weapons. It's how the good teams are built. It's how the great yeah. teams are built. It's how teams are winning. And the teams that are around at the end, it's what they look like. Uh, and, and, and that's what you hope you have with Joe Burrow and this group of receivers and running back. And that combo can be enough. And I think that's kind of where we're going to be looking at what this team, the path to success in 2021 in particular, looks like. You know, I don't think anybody can look at their defense and be like, man, they are going to dominate. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, they can be very good. They might be able to mesh it all and put together. There's a lot of different pieces. It's super unknown. No one's going to look at that offensive line and say, man, they're going to dominate. But you can look at the weapons and say they're going to dominate. Um, and that's what it's all about. It's about everybody else not being a deficient. It's really like a team-wide no donkeys approach, right? Like <laughs> it's, it's, we, we, we have taken no donkeys on the line uh, and, and applied it. It's a team-wide no donkeys with to go with these elite weapons. Let Burrow and the receivers carry everyone and nobody else be the like the anvil on the back like in those cartoons, right? Don't don't make me have to carry that. Okay. Can you just like just just walk normal, you know? 
It's like everybody. It's like you know what? Here's a better analogy for you. It's something that I deal with. Take your family to the zoo, right? And you just you got the one kid that just will not stay with you, will not walk in the pack, and it slows everybody down. I'm not asking you to run fast or be at the front of the line, okay? Two year old, three year old. I just need you to not get quickly distracted and run towards the monkeys when we're going to the giraffe. Okay? Because you're slowing us all down. You're ruining it for everybody. Okay? Just let us lead the way. You just try to follow close enough that you don't hold us back and get us distracted. How's that? Is that is that good? I've been I'm like I'm like one for three in analogies today. Well, that's a great one. Where are you though in terms of buying the kid leash? Because that solves that Never. problem, but it's also a bad look. I'm not. A, I'm not a kid leash. I'm not going to put my kid on the leash. Look, I mean, I, I can't. No, I, that's just. It's too far. I understand why people do it. Look, Harambe, right? Like I, I get it, right? I, I no one wants a Harambe situation here. Okay, my kid got out of control and a gorilla died. All right, nobody wants that. But I just, I can't. I can't put my kid on the leash. And they're they're good enough. They're good enough. I don't. I have no donkeys right now. I'm happy to say that, but everybody knows that one bad day, you you know exactly what it feels like when you've got a donkey in your pack at the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes if you let them run off a little bit, where maybe you can still kind of see them. I know this is a dicey proposition in today's <laughs> world, but if they get a little bit lost, it will freak them out, and they will not run off again. Yeah, well, maybe that's maybe that maybe that's just like one bad loss to the Ravens in Week Four. That's what that's what that is, you know. And it gets everybody back scared straight. Okay, <laughs> uh, we took that far enough. Um, so that I think that's kind of major. To any, did you have any other draft takeaways? Now that we kind of had some time to let it sit in, maybe things that you initially rea- overreacted to or feel differently about now or something that stands out a little bit more than it did uh, in the initial fallout from everything? No, the, the, the more I think about it, though, I mean, if you take – because you figure there's going to be an injury situation, and I had this in my mailbag. One of the questions was how many of the draft picks make the the roster. You You could see all of them. Potentially making it like I, I, I thought Wyatt Hubert might have been um, a developmental practice squad type guy until I read your behind the scenes piece. And then now I'm all on board and same with Trey Smith or Trey Hill. It's like you just you can see a path for all these guys. And I don't know. I would ha- that might be a Jay's got stats. They, they've had it before in seven-player drafts where everybody made the initial 53. But I, with this many guys, I don't know if that's ever happened. And it just, again, there can be an injury in camp that's going to keep a guy, put a guy on IR for the first few weeks or whatever. But I think I think this draft class as a whole has a chance to to all still be here, whether it's practice squad or 53. And I think there's an outside shot they could all be on the 53. Jay's got stats needs to happen on that. Most draft picks to make the 53 ever for the Bengals. Or maybe last. I won't make you go ever. (laughs) (laughs) What, last 10 years maybe? Yeah, I've got got a database of the uh, positional breakdown um, of the last 10 final cuts. So that that wouldn't be too hard to find. All right. Well, 
homework has been <laughs> assigned assessed to you. Uh, this happens too much. You talk yourself into these things, Jay, too often. You you walk yourself into work. You gotta you gotta you gotta say avoid that. Yeah, well, it's the, it's that time of year. I mean, it any is, any anything work. that we can find that can, we can turn into content, I'm all for. Yeah, it's find work season. There's no doubt. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, uh, a little bit of news to pop through here. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, a receiver returner from Jacksonville, um, was with Jacksonville free agent now, still on the market. And Bengals, uh, I think Justina Anderson had the Bengals being in contact with him along with the Vikings and then the Chiefs being pretty aggressive in pursuit of him. Uh Makes sense. This is the Alex Erickson spot. There was one thing that we heard them talk about after the draft they didn't really get, which was returner. I think they won a punt returner. Um, obviously, they have Brandon Wilson at kick returner. Darius Phillips can do it, but again, I don't know. They just I feel like <laughs> I feel like they're trying to trade Darius Phillips at all times. <laughs> like it just see this constant. Like, well, he could be the punt returner. I don't know. We need a punt returner. Well, he could be the fourth uh, corner. I don't know. Maybe we should sign Eli Apple. Like it just I don't, it's just very weird. So. Uh, they seem to be in the wanting a punt returner. The Alex Erickson spot is still there. They didn't really find that they had targets. It didn't fall. The draft didn't fall to them that way late. So Westbrook, a guy who's had a lot of success as a punt returner in the league, uh, has some speed, plays in the slot. Tyler Boyd backup, return punts. Think of it that way. Bengals kicking the tires there, seeing if they can add him to their room would certainly be a nice add. Um, you know, and that's when you're considering that level of depth. And you're talking about your, you know, sixth receiver at that point, fifth, sixth receiver, and your Boyd backup. So um, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, if if the Chiefs start aggressively pursuing you, and you're a receiver in this league, <laughs> you're okay. gonna like that. You're gonna like that fit, depending on what the money looks like. So we'll see how involved the Bengals stay on that. But uh, kicking the tires there. Um, the offseason schedule is kind of kicking off. We have mini camp. Rookie minicamp, which is essentially like they come in for a few hours and where hello my name is at name tags and shake hands or maybe fist bump. Uh, and that's kind of that for a day. It's really it's very low key. It's very small. It's more of a get to know you than anything. But that will be happening this weekend. Get them in here and just kind of run through some things a little bit. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. It's it's kind of a weird spot, Jay. I'm cu- this is a sort of a national question. Um but the NFLPA has kind of advised these teams and, and everybody in the league to not participate in the offseason program for anything that's not mandatory because they don't I think it's 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 the direction they want the league to go in they don't want there to be an offseason program they don't think you should be in there um doing stuff and they felt like last year proved that and you can do things virtual and that's kind of what the PA is pushing 
these rookies find themselves in a weird spot because they're asking this of the rookies too to not show up to things and mm. you get drafted it's like the proudest moment of your life and you say on draft day i'm gonna prove this team right that they they made the right decision and i will never let them down and it's like it's your first job you know you show up show up on your first day of your first real job you know the pride like i'm you're there like 30 minutes early standing at the door right like i'm ready to go and then and then the pa this union which you probably don't even understand unions hardly i mean i know i really didn't when i was 20 whatever and you're like no don't show up at that job it's a really weird spot for all these rookies and you know they're all going to be here as far as I can tell. And the team, when the team starts doing things, is going to be here as from the most, at least a lot of them are as far as we can tell because the Bengals did not issue a statement like a lot of other teams did. So I just – I feel for these rookies kind of being thrown in the middle of a labor battle. Yeah, well, it's like it, they have to basically pick where their allegiance is. And right now they don't know – I mean, they know these the players from watching them on TV, but they know the coaching staff and the scouts better and maybe their loyalty is more toward them than they know the NFLPA is a powerful union, but I don't know. That is a really tough call because they're not on strike, but it still kind of feels like crossing a picket line. If they ask you not to do something and you do it, Um, I don't, I don't know. I would not want to be in that position. And I think it, I think it would be uncomfortable to, to do that, to show up. I, I wonder what the long-term ramifications would be if, if the, the veterans in the locker room would hold a grudge for long if, if a rookie did show up. Because you hear this all the time when guys hold out. I mean, if a guy's holding out, he's hurting the team. He's not there when he should be, um, whether it's voluntary or, or training camp when it's mandatory. But players always say you stay out of another man's business. It, this is something that he has to decide for himself and and so you you wonder if maybe they will lean on them to not show up, but if they do show up, I don't think they'll. It's like they're going to be outcast in their own locker room to start their careers. It's easy for veterans with twenty million dollars in the mm-hmm. bank to tell undrafted free agent guy not to show up to voluntary thing, right? Like, yeah, easy for you guys to say. Everybody that's part of that committee, all the NFL leaders, these are people with money. These are people that have earned their skins, by the way, probably by showing up to stuff <laughs> and now trying to ask guy trying to grind out a, something that can set his family up. I, you know, I just I have a problem with that. And then the other the other part about this is. It just backfired on him. Hmm. The Jordan Big James time. injury just cost, us, cost this dude 10 mil. Because when you're working out, when you're showing up to the things at the facility, you have insurance. You you have liability. You, it's protection for your money. This costs this dude $10 million by telling him not to show up. If you're going to work out, work out where you're covered in case you get hurt. Something happens to you. And that's not even getting into the fact of young guys who are trying to prove themselves. I mean... And these practices are not anything. These off-season things, it's shorts and T-shirts and you're you're doing the same crap you would do if you were working out at a park or some high school throwing with somebody. When they show, hey, hey, look, it's it's Matt Ryan and, and Calvin Ridley throwing in California at a high school. 
that's the same crap they would be doing if they did it at Flowery Branch in Atlanta or at Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. Like that's it's the same thing. That's all these things are. Uh so I, I you know, but as far as we know, the offseason program is going to happen. It's still virtual, but the 24th, they can start showing up and do practices. And as far as we know, they're going to open them up to us uh, once a week and then have the mandatory mini camp uh, June 15th through the 17th, which is yeah. three days of, of, I wouldn't call it, it's not camp practice. It's like camp practice light, uh, t- has been typically. Yeah. That, I mean, the Broncos are at the center of this storm right now with the Juwan James thing, but it, you, you just go back one year and it it was the Bengals were there and they it wasn't the same but it was Trey Wayne's not working out off site before he signed his contract because he didn't want to get hurt until he had the contract signed and then that put him a little bit behind as soon as he signs the contract he starts lifting and tears his pec and that was in the facility right that wasn't the Bengals was. just being yeah so they had to pay him uh, had that right. been outside imagine they, if he would have done that outside. Yeah, that's what he was worried about. Right. And it's just it's I mean, I don't know. It's it's a really complicated spot. It is. And it's it it feels like I mean, the Broncos could. It's not a rule. They 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 can still pay Juwan James if they want to. But it just feels like it's almost the CBA has already been agreed to, but it still feels like they're still negotiating it because they're they're still fighting for stuff. Uh, the pandemic changed everything. We created all these new rules and exceptions. And uh, the, the I think the players really like the virtual offseason last year. They don't want to show up to to work any more than they have to. And this is the the owners fighting back and, and saying, yeah, if you guys aren't going to be here, you're you're putting yourself at, in serious financial jeopardy. Well, from from the word you don't hear publicly from the Bengals and that you hear when you talk to people here locally, they have a lot of guys that want to be here yeah, <laughs> and want to be working together and at the very least kind of starting to build something around here. So I, from a Bengals perspective, uh, from a team perspective, I think that's a good thing, and we'll see how many of them show up. That'll be an interesting uh, attendance count. The first day they let us into the OTA to see how many we even need to count, how many are actually there. Um, so we'll, we'll be on top of that for you. That's coming up in a, like two weeks, week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. You, you know, the thing is, I, I didn't keep exact count of this, but I want to say it was maybe two thirds of the league uh, of the teams in the league issued a joint statement saying we will not show up. And the Bengals were not one of those teams yeah. where, that came. Some of them had different issued. wording. Some of them said like most of us or yes. a lot of us. Like there was something, but you know, there is nothing has come from Cincinnati. Um, uh, Mo has a story up now uh, also on the site um, about the Bizarro Bengals, um, which is basically as far as I'm concerned, it's but that headline is basically just our editor Dave trying to get more Seinfeld into the site. I'm pretty sure, but that's <laughs> that's fine. Even though it's Seinfeld answer, man, I get it. Uh, but uh, Bizarro Bengals with the Los Angeles Chargers, and it's a really interesting thought, and it's it's well spelled out as it often is with Mo, and it's about look two teams with a young quarterback that they drafted who played in front of a bad offensive line. And the one is pretty aggressive in pursuing the offensive line. They set the market on Corey Lindsley. 
They go get Matt Filer, a name that we talked about a lot in free agent period that would be an upgrade for you as a guard tackle type. They use their top pick on one of the top two offensive tackles in Rashawn Slater. Um, you know, all the things that I think a lot of fans wanted to see the Bengals do to truly protect uh, their top young quarterback. They had two really good receivers in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but they didn't really go get a good third receiver. And it's sort of, it's the opposite approach. It's the other path. And it's going to be interesting to watch those play out and see how it works, if it's any better, if it's, you know, I, it's, it's kind of what Bengals fans asked for. Um, I, I enjoyed the piece. I, I have one other comment on it. Um, well, one, they also fired their embattled head coach um, in Anthony Lynn, and obviously Bizarro Bengals, Bengals sticking with continuity in Zach Taylor, and that's all fine. We've visited that long ago, and we won't go back into that right now. There's another team that I think is Bizarro Bengals in a different way. The Detroit Lions. Not only did they actually pick Panay Sewell, they have loaded up on their offensive line. They just made Frank Ragnow the highest paid center. Uh, They signed Taylor Decker. And they have... uh, they have every position on their line is a heavy investment, whether through a draft pick like Sewell or whether through a high paid free agent or whether through extensions. It is it is a big, powerful, put all your assets into the offensive line situation. Their receivers, nobody's. Let them go. You don't know them. And they got Jared Goff, who's sort of like. Is he Joe Burrow? I don't know. Number one overall pick. I don't know. We don't. We, new place, new system. But they got the line right. Hmm. And they got the protection for the quarterback. But do they have the receivers that can even get open for it? That might be the more bizarro Bengals to watch. That might be the really interesting case study in seeing which offense is more effective. The one that has all kinds of investment in the line, but not enough at receiver versus the one that has all kinds of investment at receiver and just shooting for average as well, sort of on the offensive line. Chargers, Lions, both on the schedule this year, will be fun to watch this season as bizarro Bengals. Yeah, because, I mean, the Lions had a shot, too, to take a wide receiver. They needed a wide receiver. They let Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones walk in free agency, and they had a shot to take Waddle. Uh, or Devonte Smith, and, and they went Panay Sewell. So yeah, that is that is a really good comparison, and I think that's great. It, it, it's not just going to be a virtual comparison. We are going to see them. It's just a matter of you. You, you hope it's later in the year, so you can kind of see how the paths play out. Um, and and I think it will be. We'll get to this later with our our mock schedule, but uh, I, I do think that that both those games are going to be later in the year. Yep. Uh, let's let's run through uh, four questions. Let's go through the, the – we've got some from your, your mailbag. We'll try to hit these real quick, and then we'll get into some schedule stuff. Um, Jay, you've got some leftover questions. Let's uh, hit me up with the first one. Let's, let's roll. Okay, Jerry P. wants to know if signing Sam Hubbard is a definite priority for this team or if the drafting of all the rookies and signing Trey Hendrickson opens the possibility of the Bengals not re-signing Sam Hubbard. 
it is a definite priority. It is. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I look. They have money left over too to even front load it. I mean, people will ask a lot about what are they going to do with that money. You know, um, people uh, back in the days of everyone's a everyone's a capologist and everyone understands how it works. I, I like to look at what the Bengals do because that's what all I care about in terms of explaining things. They give a decent amount of money up front in the first year. And a lot of these teams do almost no money in the very first year and then and backload. No, the Bengals like to give a lot early and that keeps their guarantees low. It's part of how they do things. They have money set up to do this for both Hubbard and Bates and still have more plenty more room. But I, I would expect them to be aggressive in that fashion with both of those guys in the fall, and I expect them both to get done. Look, we just talked about the relentlessness trait. You want a veteran who is the example of that. And it's number 94. Sam Hubbard is the example you want to set when when Joseph Osai and Cam Sample and Wyatt Hubert walk in the room and they show up in the fall. And what's the one of the first news items they learn about on their new team? The dude that plays like that just got 12 mil per year. I want to be like that. And that's how I like to play. This is my kind of place. I'm going to do that for four years, and I'm going to get my bag, right? That's that's how it perpetuates itself. So, yeah, that is a number one priority, and I fully expect them to get it done. I mean, it's everything about it. Sam Hubbard is like Mr. Bangle now. Yes. He's at the dinner. He's at the dinner. He's Burrow's best friend. He's like your leader on defense. He's Captain America. He's from Cincinnati. He plays hard. It's like, I don't know what else. Like, this dude is everything they love, and they are going to reward it, and they're going to do it soon. Yeah. The, the only question is who goes first? And it's not an either or. It feels like it's going to happen where it's going to be both of them. It's just who do they sign first? And maybe it's one of those situations where it just comes together like the Gino and Carlos one. And they, they sign them on the same day and have a dual press conference. You you could see that happening as well, but yeah, he is, he is definitely in their plans. He, since Zach Taylor got here, that coaching staff has pointed to Sam Hubbard as an example of what they want the rest of the team to be. And, and I, I just, it's it feels like a lock that he's going to be he's going to get a long term deal at some point in probably July or August. Agreed. The only the only piece on the Bates thing aspect of this is you know that safety number is very easily Huge. digestible as a franchise tag, um, which we see we saw teams utilize this year. Uh, so if you do have some sort of breakdown uh, where they don't want to pay sixteen million her to Jesse Bates just yet let him play out the last year knowing that you'll franchise tag him at I believe it's 11 um maybe they do that I don't see him doing that to Jesse but they could and, and so we'll you know all you never know negotiations around these parts have <laughs> tended to be weird but I feel like this is a perfect opportunity for you to pay the guys that you believe in and draft develop and retain right like if that's your motto if that's who you are, I don't know what else you're. You, you know, you're 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 a hypocrite then if you don't do it to both of these guys right now. When you have the money, you drafted them, you've developed them. They're top class in the league. Boom! There you go. I mean, the other thing is they can do both. They can tag yes. him and extend him because what what is the well? I just two mean or doing three it months now rather than tagging him in the spring. 
Right, but you you could tag him uh, just see just so you can kind of kick the can down the road on the negotiation, and then once you tag a guy, you can still come to terms on a long term extension after the tag. I think there's like a two month gap well, there. Where yeah, but that would be next year. I mean, if you want to go oh, in right. early on, do it in the fall, you know, and not you know not make a guy play on the final on year. on on as a lame duck in the final year of his contract that you love. Like that's it's 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 kind of it's kind of in making the investment and getting, you know, is it a good time to get in on Jesse Bates? Maybe not. You're coming off the best year ever for uh, him and arguably the best safety in the league, but uh, a discussion that we'll have down the line. I still fully anticipate those getting done. Uh, what do you got next, Jay? Okay, Mark S. had two questions, and I thought they were both really good. Uh, one, what are the odds that Geno returns? And his second one was, what what is the weakest position group going into camp? I think the odds that Gino returns is 12.5%. I was going to say 15. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's not out of the question, but it just, it just feels like with the, the purging of the margin, Marvin Lewis veterans that it, it's not that there was a conflict there with Gino, but it just, it feels like a fresh start. And I mean, if nobody else is signing him and he's sitting out there and he's super cheap and he can be a three technique with Ogunjobi, Maybe it happens, but I just I don't think that is the the initial path they're looking to take. Yeah, and then the second part, um, weakest position group. I think linebacker still. Yeah, I, I, that's just so unproven. Like you're just still betting on hope, and I don't know how much hope there is for Jermaine Pratt. I mean. We're entering year three, and he's played a lot, and we haven't seen him be a real guy, and you're going to ask him to be a real guy this year. And Logan Wilson showed well, but is is he going to take the next step? Uh, you know, ADG didn't really get fully – I mean, they, they scaled him back. He wasn't ready. So, you know, what do you – I mean, Marcus Bailey, what – you know, I still think that's hanging out there as a big concern. You have Jordan Evans. I mean, it – there's just there's nothing there to be sure about. The closest thing you're sure about is Logan Wilson, and he's just a second year guy still trying to figure it out. So I don't I I, I still think linebacker hangs out there, but you know there's a lot to like. There's a lot of upside, but it's still very unknown. Yeah, and it was another reason that they had to fix the defensive line. That is going to help the linebacker group having a more effective D line. And you know, we talked about Geno return. I, I think a Josh Bynes return is is a lot more likely, just because of the situation they're in at at linebacker. And he seemed open to it last year. The Bengals loved everything about him as a leader and and just that veteran presence, a guy with a ring. Um, so I, I could, cause it feels like they have to add some pieces somewhere, whether it's some veterans that are still hanging out there that haven't been signed or, or some undrafted free agents that they haven't signed yet, but they're, they, they are not only not really talented yet at the position, but they're, they're not deep at all. It's, it's the worst of both situations. And I, I, if you had to power rank Mark's question, the weakest position group, I mean, it's linebacker, and then it's scratching your head what would be the next weakest. I mean, well, they, offensive linebacker, line, I think. Yeah, but, I mean, 
linebacker just feels clear and clear and above that that is the the position group that that is the answer to this question. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree to that. Uh, what do we got next? Okay, Thomas N., who may or not be our editor, <laughs> Thomas David Ninimitz, <laughs> wants to know, uh, do the Bengals consider Fred Johnson and Hakeem Adeniji contributors or donkeys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I I don't know. I think it's a big preseason for both of these guys. I I think as a third, fourth tackle. I mean, let's let's play out. Uh, Jonah Williams gets hurt. What happens next? Right? Does Jackson Carmen go out to left tackle and Suafilo, Spain, Michael Jordan? One of the those three are in the mix now at guard as your your players there. Does Carmen stay? And Fred Johnson or Akeem Adeniji take over at left tackle. Um, we're in the same same scenario playing out on the right side. If that were to happen, the question is, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't know, and I don't know that anybody knows the answer to it. I think that is a preseason thing that you're going to learn. They need to learn where are Fred Johnson and Akeem Adeniji, right? Where are they? In terms of their development, in terms of their want to, and if either of those guys is somebody you feel comfortable to put in as the swing tackle and not have to worry about working Jackson Carmen at both positions early in the year as a rookie when he's already got a lot on his plate to be prepared as a swing tackle. I, that, I mean, I think it's a preseason question. Yeah, I mean, a lot would, I guess, depend on when, if we're talking the the, the hypothetical here of Jonah getting hurt, like when that happens, um, I, I think would, would factor into the decision because if it's early, maybe you stick with the plan of keeping Jackson Carmen at guard. And, but if it's later and he's proved to be a really good player, maybe you feel more comfortable kicking him out to tackle. But I I think Adenogy has the higher upside at this point just because, I mean, I know – Jim Turner loved the guy and, and the Bengals draft him. So the, the, the entire brain trust liked him, but Fred Johnson, I mean, the Steelers don't miss on offensive linemen very often. And, and they, they let this guy go. They cut him and, you know, maybe the, the, the Bengals are waiting for the light to go on. It, it, it doesn't seem like it has yet. This is, this is a huge year for him. This is make it or break it year. You can see, Adenogy with with only one year in, having three years left on that rookie deal, he's got a little more time to play with here, and and he did look good at times. It is interesting they list him as a guard now instead of a tackle on the Bengals roster, um, but but yeah, I, I the point you don't want either one of those guys playing left tackle, but if they if they had to, maybe they do. If they get to see Jackson Carmen play a bit, they kick him out and and go with one of these guys or you like you said Billy Price or or Suofilo um somebody else Michael Jordan put somebody else at guard uh I guess the the thing <laughs> the big thing here is just don't get Jonah Williams hurt because this is as much as they attention they pay to the offensive line they're still not very deep there 
They've won some games with Fred Johnson at tackles. Our, our, our good friend Richard Skinner will tell you they're four and one <laughs> with Fred Johnson as a starter. You know, I I think he could be serviceable in a pinch. You don't want him there all year. At yeah. They obviously made a mistake playing him at guard. You don't want him out there every week. But as a, as a swing, I think he's in. I think he's in play, and he's potentially not a donkey. You know. But yeah, I mean, it's still it's 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 the concerning that's the most concerning depth spot on the roster is what that backup tackle actually looks like. Because you got four, you guys have four guards now that I think that you'd be comfortable with, um, you know, and and you've got two, you know, you've got Price and Hopkins at center, but the backup there at tackle, you've seen them, you know, it's it, you, that's kind of the the one spots where you're really hoping Riley Reef and Jonah Williams can just get through this year and play all sixteen. All right, let's just take a quick break. It's schedule time. Who's excited? It's yes, time. Yes, I am. All right. Huh? Uh, I, the mock schedule has come out today, uh, so I have that up with my ideal schedule. Basically, there was a few components to this, and we'll breeze through it. Um, and that was, I thought, I think that the things the Bengals should be thinking about, this, and that is, one, how about you get not the most potent pass rushes going against Joe Burrow's knee the first couple weeks? <laughs> like that's just if there's a if there's teams on your schedule that are probably not going to be great pass rushing teams or are rebuilding there or just have kind of don't have Khalil Mack, uh, you'd like to see them early while Burrow gets his comfort back in the pocket and you know comes back from the injury. So that's a part of it. You always want to face teams with new coaches or new quarterbacks early in the season. Um, that's going to be a component here. Um, and I think you know, you're know you also talking about maybe some weather things. You've got some teams that uh, you don't want to go see like Denver in December, like they they thrive off those snow games, and it's just kind of miserable. And you got a team that throws it a lot now. I don't know if you want to be a part of something like that. Um, certain teams that you know, Chargers probably would they want to come to Cincinnati in, in December? No, probably not. There's certain things there that kind of went into it. So I, I it's I it had me up having them open with the Jaguars, who have a new coach, a new quarterback, and no pass rush. It's it's the trifecta of the opener that you want, and they're not going to be super good. This team needs to win early, so put the easy games. I always say put the easy games on paper at the front of the schedule because the tough games end up not being so tough later in the year typically because injuries change things at, to a major dynamic. So that's why I have Jags first, and I have at the Raiders second because their pass rush is so bad. Um and they, they, you know, they, they are really trying. They signed in, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, but outside of that, you know, they're really trying to rebuild that thing. And I'm having that take some precedence. Those are those are my first two in the ideal start for the Bengals. That's for the Bengals. If if we're talking ideal for us, no, you'd like yeah. to see the Raiders be week 16, 17, or eighteen, so we can take our Christmas money to Vegas. Ah, ideal. Tra- I do. Let's do. Let's, I, let's jump into this aspect of it. For Bengals fans, ideal trip, okay? Best timing. There, here's the for people that don't know. Here's your um, here's your roadies this year: uh, Vegas, Denver, Chicago, New York for the Jets, Detroit, Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. So I have my ranking of the best trips. Now these can change depending on timing, big time. Do you have your ranking of the best trips? 
Uh, I do. I don't have them broken down by timing, but I've got. No, I've no. Got, I'm saying I've they would change afterwards. But I'm just yes. general without knowing the times. Do you have Vegas one? I do. What do you have two? Denver. Denver. Me too. Three. Chicago. Me too. Four. New York. No, I have Baltimore four over New York. Here's why. Okay. For us. For us, Pickles. we stay in Jersey. The game's in Jersey. I like to stay near the stadium because I don't like to. I'm not going to stay in New York and then have to drive out to Jersey when there's a air, where there's an airport right next to the stadium in Jersey. So I, so for us, I always feel like I never really get to experience New York, so I push it down a little bit. But for a trip, you can go in and stay in New York uh, mm. and get to enjoy the city. And that's, that's, I do for, for others, maybe it's higher up on the list, but for me, when I, when we go, I just, I just stay out in Jersey, which is kind of sad. Yeah. So I, I had Baltimore right after New York. Yes. So uh, then Detroit. Yes. I like Detroit. I like, I like Detroit stadium a lot. Actually. Yeah. I love Ford field. I do too. Ford Field is a great place to see a game. It's super exciting. Um, I, I just, it's, a, it's a fun atmosphere. This, it's just a really – I just enjoy, I enjoy Ford Field um, in general. Now, the game will be kind of mad, but, hey, they might win. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Detroit uh, has one of the lowest Vegas um, over-unders this year. So if you're looking for one that maybe they would win, it's an easy drive. It's a great place to see a game. Detroit is a pretty fun place. That's one that you want to get – you want that in September. <laughs> yeah, for if you're sure. gonna go and you want to go to Detroit and you want to do a drive, um, I highly recommend doing that only if it's in September. And get your um, passport too, because you're gonna want to hop over to yes. Ontario. So these are all good trips. Here's the thing about Vegas to watch when the schedule comes out. Uh, can I run through the average highs in Vegas depending by <laughs> month? Uh, in September, the average high is 96. And by the way, in August it's 104. In case you're wondering, so I mean that you can get some hundred days for sure. 96 in October it's 83. In November it's 70. The swings in Vegas are just ridiculous, uh, which is kind of really should should be their motto as a city. But uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it's you do. I don't know that you want Vegas in September. Like I don't know that you want to go. And you can go anytime you go. You can stay in the casinos, and and it's great, and it's Vegas. But October, November is a little bit more probably what you want. The only problem is you get down to November. It's thirty five at night in Vegas. You got you get some cold nights. I think you want October eighth. Yeah, mid October. Yeah, mid October in Vegas is a great time to go to keep an eye when to go. if it's if it's in October. Uh, highly recommend. Plus, great sports month in October. Yes, you've got you've got baseball playoffs going on. You've got you should have some, you have bas- you have NBA start late October. You you've got a lot of good stuff. College football is in mid swing. You just got a lot of good stuff happening in October. So a good Saturday to hang out and gamble on sports all day. Weather's nice. Bengals on Sunday. Highly recommend. Save some money for the stadium on Sunday, though. Yeah, <laughs> if you can. <laughs> uh, the other one, I, I, you know, Denver being second for me, I think I cannot recommend Denver to travel to anymore. I mean, it is a fantastic city. It's so much fun. 
Uh, there's great food. There's tons of stuff to do. It's beautiful up there. Um, you can do a day trip down to Colorado Springs if you want to, which is awesome. Garden of the Gods, Pikes Peak down there. But Denver as a whole is super awesome. Um, you know, I highly recommend Denver, but you need that early. You do not. You don't want to be going to Denver anytime after Thanksgiving. Like you just don't want that. If you could get Denver, if an an early Denver to me, let's say they had Denver and Vegas week two and three. Denver is a better trip than Vegas there. Yeah, I would agree because it's just too. It's just going to be too hot uh, for Vegas for me. Whereas Denver is going to be perfect and it's going to be awesome. So I I would highly recommend that. Um, uh, let's go. Let's talk a little bit about um, most likely to be in primetime. Games on the schedule most likely to be in primetime. Now, reminder, I think you have a better chance of primetime games being a home game because of the home schedule. I mean, the Bengals' home schedule is full of big-time teams, okay? You're talking Green Bay, although who knows what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Kansas City, Mahomes, always a chance – Mahomes could land on primetime. Chargers, I think there's going to be a lot of allure for Justin Herbert versus Joe Burrow. Mm -hmm. Vikings, eh, they're probably not going to be a primetime game. Steelers, always a chance of primetime. Jags, I, there's a chance that they love the idea of Trevor Lawrence versus Joe Burrow. Uh, 49ers, always a chance. They're always interesting. They're a very good team. Um, you know, I don't know that any of those happen. Um, then we mentioned all the roadies. Do you, you have your most likely prime times? What do you think? I, I number one is Jacksonville. I just think the Trevor Lawrence versus Joe Burrow plus Urban Meyer coming back to Ohio plus we can throw that game with two teams that don't have a lot of national appeal on a Thursday night. It's it's easy travel for Jacksonville. Um, it just that just feels like a a Thursday night. I, I think maybe week four, week five. I they they may wait to put the Bengals in prime time until October just to give them some more time in case Joe Burrow's not ready. But uh, Jacksonville, to me, feels like the most likely game to be in prime time. And then I and then I had Chicago uh, just because of the the travel aspect. Chicago and Cleveland. Um, the, it, the Bengals, in the last 25 prime time games, eight have been against the Steelers, uh, three against the Browns, and one against the Ravens. For whatever reason, they just – they don't – they now, for a while, they're back beyond the last twenty-five games. They did put Bengals and Ravens in prime time quite a bit, but they they really have gotten away from that. I don't know that Pittsburgh Bengals has the allure that it has over the last decade. You know, even last year it was a prime time game. I just, I don't, I just don't see that happening this year. Um, the the Jacksonville, Chicago, Cleveland are my top three, and then I think. I think we see the Chargers or the Chiefs being a, a Sunday night game that could be flexed, and they can they can flex Monday night games now this year too. I could see that with the Mahomes versus Burrow, the the Justin Herbert versus Burrow, that being a game later in the year that they can they can flex out of it if things go really south for the Bengals. There's just not many that I see going in prime time. I just don't, you know, I just don't see as many. I, I think. I'm with you. Jags Bengals screams <laughs> Thursday night football. It screams Jags Bengals September, late September, 
Yeah, that feels week three, week four, week five. Jags, Bengals, screams Thursday night football. Absolutely. I'm with you. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Urban Meyer, all that stuff. Bad teams, Thursday night, boom. Like, just feels right. I th- Chargers, Bengals, I think as well for the Herbert factor, the Herbert Burrow factor. Um, I don't know that you're getting that thing on Sunday night. <laughs> I don't know that you're – I mean, to me, can they do – maybe they do two Thursdays. I don't – I would be surprised. I think if they get a Sunday or Monday night game, it's in division. Bengals-Browns in primetime last year did really good. I see it all the time on uh, NFL Network, runs it all the time now as a replay. But it was both those games were really exciting. It's young quarterbacks in this division. I, I, I think people are maybe tired of Pittsburgh or a little worn out on Pittsburgh. I don't know that Pittsburgh's going to get the same – like you said, the allure, the draw. To me, Browns and Ravens have never really been somebody that TV really responds to. Like they, they're not. They don't die to have Ravens. People are dying to have Browns games. I think mm-hmm. people would love to have a Burrow game. And when you look at what the Bengals Browns games looked like last year, and what was one of their, you know, Browns Ravens was one of their most successful games, one of their most entertaining games last year. This division is highly entertaining. Um. I'd be really curious to see if Bengals Brown sneaks into a Sunday or a Monday. I think that's probably my. I don't see anything else here. I no, I, and maybe I'm wrong, and I'd be surprised. I, I don't. I don't see anything else here that 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 sneaks in. I just I, I I could see them kind of hoping that the the Bengals take off with Burrow and Chase and giving them a, a later in the season primetime game against one of those better teams a Sunday game where they could just flex out of it if if need be there's always going to be a better game that they can get into um, the Bengals rarely they've been flexed into Sunday night a few times I, I don't remember them being flexed out um, one other thing to keep in mind when you're talking schedule that the Reds always come into play here uh, because of the the fact that they they only once have they both played at home on the same day? And that's because it was a, a Reds playoff game. There's no way around it. But if they can get around it, they get around it. Reds are out of town week one. It, it's a really good chance for the Bengals to open at home. If it's a Sunday game, the Bengals are going to be on the road in week two and week three because the Reds are home both those Sundays. But there's the opportunity, and this is where Bengals Jags could come in, that Thursday night of week two, the Reds are not home yet. That could be a a home game, and then week three would have to be a Monday night for the the Bengals to be at home. That's that's not they're not going to put the Bengals on Monday night early in the year. So it, it almost feels certain it's going to be a home road road opening to the season for the Bengals. They should really rename that week two Thursday game after the Bengals. Can they name it the Who Day Special? Like I mean. And they've always ended up in that like awful first Thursday where they play twice and four. I, I, it's actually a great spot for the team, yeah, because you have the whole off season to be well rested, and you go boom, boom, and you get it out of the way early and don't have to worry about it. So I, it's not terrible, um, but it's, they always seem to end up there. So I would not <laughs> be stunned to see that uh, happen again. All right, Jay's got stats time. Can you tell me the number of primetime games there have been each of the last 10 seasons? Yes. Last year, there were two. In 2019, there was one. In 18 and 17, there was two. 
16, 15, and 14, there was four. And in 2013 and 2012, there were three. And in 2011, zero. Okay. So usually two. For a team that's not great, a Bengals team that's not yeah. great. Are they're entertaining now, but I still don't see TV responding to them. So let's go with run pass or boot on this. Number of primetime games. One, two, three or more. That includes the Thursday night game that pretty much everybody gets. So primetime games, one, two, or three or more. You do have the extra game this year, but I, I don't think that's gonna matter. I'm I'm gonna run with two. I will pass on one and I'll boot three or more. They also they were adding in they were adding in the like Saturday stuff. I mean they've 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 they have added, but still, you know, I so you're what you're running with running with two, pass on zero or one, well one, and booting three or more. Now this is also this is the original schedule, right? This doesn't count games flex. Non flex, yeah. Just what, what will happen Wednesday night. Yep. Um I'm tempted to run with one, but I think it replicates. I mean, last year, I think they gifted them that Pittsburgh game because they thought Burrow. I I, I think Burrows has draw enough to sneak them into one other one. Maybe I still think it's Bengals Browns. Uh, So I'm going to. I'm going to go ahead and do the same. I'm going to run with two, and I'm going to pass on one, and I'm going to boot three or more. I, I would be surprised if they shoved them into shoved Burrow <laughs> into three uh, primetime games. Uh, that would be surprising. But it's possible, but I just I would be surprised by that. The, the, the ultimate, now whether it's primetime or not, the ultimate game on the schedule for us and I think for fans would be week three in Chicago. And I think we've talked about this before. Ohio mm-hmm. University plays at Northwestern on that Saturday of week three. And then you could have Bengals Bears on Sunday. And then you take day off to see the city. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, Reds at White Sox to end the regular season. That that could be a fun trip for, for Cincinnati fans and for OU sports writers. <laughs> it's about us. <laughs> Another fun one trip-wise would be Chicago on October 3rd because on October 2nd, UC at Notre Dame oh. is that Saturday at 2.30. So you go up, you do South Bend, then the game ends, you get up to Chicago, you have that, and then you can double up a nice one-two combo if it's that weekend as well for UC fans, which really any fan of college football, that is going to be a fantastic game uh, you see at Notre Dame, a fun game, big one for the Bearcats. Uh, if it ends up that way, also a good time to have Chicago on the schedule. Um, Jay, you've got a schedule quiz. Are you going to try to quiz me? Yeah, I'll give you two. The, the quiz just posted, actually. It's up. But if you guys want to wait to take it, we'll, we'll do two questions right here, and you'll know the you'll have a little bit of a cheat sheet, so you'll know the answer before you take it. The, qu- the quiz is 26 questions. It has to do with schedule history for the Bengals. Um, first one for you, Paul. With nine home games on the schedule for the first time in franchise history, the Bengals have a chance to break the team's single-season record of 275 points scored at home, which was set in which year? 1985, 
1988, 2005, 2013, 2015. Uh, I want to say... I'm going to say 2015. I, I think everybody's going to pick that. It was 2013. 13, kind of surprising. Yes, that was a division championship team. They had a lot of defensive team. points that year. Yeah. Too. That in. was a division championship team, too. I think everybody was either going to pick 88 or... 2015. They dropped the 49 spot on the Jets. They they yeah. had I had like a 48 spot against the Vikings. They were blowing people out the home that year. At least yeah. And, and then they and they then they scored 10 against the Chargers. <laughs> um, so that that was I think that was one of the harder ones on there. So now if you're listening, you you've got a free answer to a hard question. Um, the next one: What is the Bengals' all-time winning percentage the week after their bye? Is it 571, <laughs> 500, 425, 333, or 219? Bengals fans feel like it's 219. I know this because we hear it all the time. I, I will say uh, 333. It's 219. They are 7 and 25 the week after a bye. <laughs> That's like, we talk about Pittsburgh and primetime and playoffs. You can throw the week in the bye after there as well. I don't know what the deal is that you're Jay's supposed to Jay's be- got stats that I need. What is their record the game before the bye? Oh, I don't know. I don't have Because that. <laughs> I feel like there's way more chance to play well. There's a higher chance to play well when you know you're about to take a break. Like, it's just, look, soon, if I can just go get this W, I can enjoy my week off. Like, I'm going to go extra hard because I got this time off coming. Rather, coming off time off, you're sluggish. It's like waking up in the morning. That's what I need. I need more homework for more, Jay. Yeah, yeah, I just wrote that down. More homework. More homework that's, given that's to Jay. to my list. All right, for those that stick around to the very, very bitter end, we want to reward you. Of course, we got love. You know what that means, Jay? Hashtag Bengals Growler Bet. We need your Bengals Growler Bets in by the time the schedule gets released. Okay? I hope none of you have special access to somebody and are going to try to screw us on this. Uh, so you need to time stamp it to us, e- either at Paul Daner Jr., at Jay Morrison ATH. Hashtag Bengals Growler Bet needs to be in there. Of course, or you can email me at pdaner at theathletic.com, pdaner at theathletic.com, your answer. And that is, guess the first two games. Can you guess the first two games that will that are on the Bengals' schedule? Who will they be in order? You know the, I mean, you know the opponents. That includes home or away. So you can't say Steelers, Browns. No, it needs to be. At Raiders, home Browns, or whatever your commas. Now, Jay gave you some big tips there. Jay told you, home, very likely, away, very likely, for week two. What is your guess for home for the uh, first two weeks, what they will be? Should we move up the deadline on this to like five o'clock tomorrow? Just because after that, they, they do start leaking out leakage. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you're good call. Well, to avoid leakage, to avoid leakage, we will say 
yeah, we'll say five o'clock, end of business. Five o'clock PM on Wednesday. We need your answers in. Everything else disqualified. Um, so that's that's we'll say first two weeks we need. Jay, do you have a guess? Yeah, I'm gonna go against everything I just told you guys. Um I because I think that Bengals, Jaguars, Jaguars just screams Thursday night and and it would fit the red schedule in week two. I think they go road home and I'm going to say at the jets and then home with the Jaguars at the jets home Jags on Thursday night, week two, you're putting them in the honey hole spot in the Bengals honey hole spot against the Jags. That's right. Yes. And, and five years ago, the Bengals were in New York for the 15-year anniversary of 9-11. Uh, this year, opening Sunday is September 12th, so they would again be in New York for the 20-year anniversary. And it just – Bengals-Jets isn't super sexy, and I think they're going to put a lot of sexy games in in week one, and that one's just going to be kind of lost in the shuffle. So they're just it just feels like it, this would be ideal for the Bengals. You get two rookie quarterbacks right off the bat. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go at Jets, home Jags. All right. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Niners and then at Raiders. I'm going to open Niners at home, then at the Raiders for my, for my first two starters. Uh, send again, send your guesses in by five o'clock on Wednesday to us on Twitter with a hashtag Bengals Growler Bet, or you can email me Bengals Growler Bet. You need Growler to be in the subject header because that's how I search it in my email to make sure I got them all. Growler in the subject header with your the first two weeks in there to pdaner at theathletic.com. And uh, we will, if anybody gets it right, a delicious Growler of 50 West beer of your choice can be yours so send those in thanks everybody for listening to the very very bitter end we hope maybe you'll get rewarded maybe we'll get a winner or maybe we'll get a a so close so close i predict we will get a winner somebody's gonna hit this i don't know and there's a lot of options on the table there's a lot of different options on the table so we'll we'll see what happens Uh, all it takes is a is a weird because everyone's gonna go home road i would think because of Mm -hmm. the obvious red scenario Want home home start or something weird in there with a Monday or a Sunday or Thursday, whatever. The whole thing blows up the works. (laughs) You never know. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday. Let's play more talk about as we blow through the offseason. OTAs right around the corner. Rookie minicamp this weekend. And any news that pops off, we're always here for you. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you next time.